Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard, and this is part three of some of our HR stories. And last week, uh, I kind of spent some time talking about uh, basically how to fire and kind of even with the when, why, and how. And today, Carrie is going to share with you her wisdom and uh, on, on how to get people to quit. And one of the things that we realized is that some of you, it's gonna, some things are gonna come naturally to certain management types. So if you have not listened to our podcast on building your team, where we talk about the management styles, you might go back and do that, but Carrie's gonna help you through understanding uh, the different management styles and how that plays into um, your ability to, um, let people go or to encourage them to quit. Yeah. So my two leadership styles are the entrepreneur and the integrator, which in some ways are conflicting. So as an entrepreneur, I'm always ready to try something new. Uh, And so I don't have a problem with a new teacher going into a classroom or trying something totally different in a classroom, but I'm an integrator. So I want everybody to get along so especially, especially when I was a new director, I had a really hard time with the concept of firing people. And so I came up with my own way of having a work separation, which was I just convinced them that they wanted to quit, um, which is a great integrator way to handle work separations is you just convince them that they want to quit. And I did this very, very authentically. I asked them lots of questions and had lots of conversations. Now, if you're an administrator, if you're somebody who there is a right way and a wrong way to do everything, this concept may be so foreign to you. They did a wrong thing. You fire them. The end. Um, So, but if you just fire everybody who does one wrong thing, you're going to have no continuity in your program. And it's going to be really hard on your employee morale. So what I would do is when I'm having a challenge with an employee, maybe they're coming to work late, maybe they're calling out sick a lot, maybe they're not engaged in the classroom, maybe they're not engaged on the playground, Uh, maybe they're calling kids names. You know, there's so many things that you could have an issue with a staff person with. I can't even list all of them. They won't get their training. I, I, I don't, they're fussing with their co-teachers. All of those things can happen. So my immediate response to that is to schedule a time to have a conversation with them where it's just them and me one-on-one. So if they're an opener, I might go in and help them set up the classroom in the morning before the kids get there. If they're a closer, I might do the same at the end of the day. Or I might schedule a time for them to come into the office. Okay, so I was going to ask, I was going to say, so it sounded like those first two options are a little more casual conversation versus maybe scaring them with a, you've been called to the office by the principal. Yeah, well, that's what makes this work the best is if you can make it feel like a casual conversation. Now you're still going to take notes. And if you're in a state where you have one party agreement to recordings, I would still suggest you record the conversation. But, oh, people might not know what that means. So in some states, everybody who's being audio recorded has to agree to be audio recorded. And in other states, 
just one of the parties to the conversation has to agree. Texas is a single party. So in Texas, I record all of these kinds of conversations. Um, But I bring them in and I'm like, I've really noticed that you're not as happy here as you were, you know, give, give some sort of milestone. Last Christmas, three months ago when XYZ happened. And I really, I, I wanted to ask you what was going on with that. What has happened since Christmas to change the way you're feeling about your job? That's the beginning. Ask them the question, what has changed? Frequently, they will say, oh, nothing's changed and I still love my job. So how do you call them out on that? If you, if you tell, if they tell you they love your job, but you're looking at their body language, what do you say? How do you call them out on it? Well, I usually say no, because when you really loved your job, you did X, Y, and Z, and now you're doing Q, R, and S. So I give them two or three examples of what they used to do and what they're doing now. And sometimes they didn't even realize that they were doing things differently. And just that first conversation will snap them out of it because, you know, they're obsessing about something at home or with their parents or, you know, something that has nothing to do with you and they didn't realize it was affecting their work. This is the best outcome you could possibly hope for, that they, once it's pointed out to them, they realize, oh, I'm bringing my business into my classroom and that's not appropriate or professional. I will stop bringing my business into the classroom. That's what we hope, right? But that's not going to happen all the time. So I, I try to get them to a point where they understand, yes, their behavior has changed. Occasionally, you just can't, at least not in that first conversation. And so if I can't get them there, then I say, well, I need you to really think about it and really watch what you're doing this week. And we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about this the same time next week. It's okay if they don't want to tell you their personal business. You don't need to keep digging. Okay, so, but last week, Kate talked about not wanting to know their personal business. So how would this be different? So I don't need to, what I, I mean, I don't need to know their business. I need to know what changed in their attitude. I don't need to know why it changed. I need to know what changed. Okay. Oh, I'm being really distracted. And sometimes they will then tell you about, you know, their teenage son has discovered marijuana or whatever. And then I'm like, well, okay, if you need resources for that, come and talk to me. But the fact that that has happened in your personal life is not the fault of the children in your classroom. So I need you to go back to doing what you were doing three months ago, or we need to come up with another solution. Okay, so that makes sense. I I'm, see that now. I'm not asking for the why, I'm asking for the what. <laughs> okay. And And if they tell me, that's fine. I'm not going to like go screaming out of the classroom and tell everybody their business. And they need to know that I respect confidentiality and that I'm not going to do that. Um, so the first conversation is usually just about bringing it to their attention that you have noticed this thing and that it's not okay and you're not going to tolerate it. But you don't say I'm not going to tolerate it. You just say, I need you to go back to doing what you were doing before. Okay. So we're using... Uh, very reflective language. We're responding back to what they say, all of that kind of good active listening things, but we're letting them know that we have noticed and that it's not going to continue. 
So if you're a director that this isn't natural for, would you suggest that they role play this, write out questions? Can they call you? They can call me. They can definitely call or email me. Um, you know, hello at colorful clipboard. Okay, that's how you can email me. Um, but you can also, yes, write out questions. You can put down exactly what I said. You can take notes on what we're saying here and say, I noticed that this has changed in the classroom from what you were doing last month. What has happened? What has changed for you that you're no longer doing circle time? Whatever that thing is. And then let them talk. The hardest part of this, I really think, is the you ask the question and then you close your mouth. This is a podcast, so I'm not going to do what I frequently do when I'm talking this through with people, which is I just shut my mouth and I wait until I hear a sound from the other person. See, as you can tell, you guys she can't are listening. <laughs> she can't do it. She can't do it. I can. <laughs> okay, Kate couldn't even make it one second without either one of us making a noise. So hot. <laughs> So um, giving that time because it makes people uncomfortable to sit in a situation across from one another and there to be silence. So the staff member is going to say something. They're either going to accept that it has changed or they're going to deny it or they're going to say something in between like, I don't know, but maybe. <laughs> okay, so they're not acknowledging and they're not accepting, but they're at least thinking about it. If that turns around the behavior, great, you're done, you've done what you need to do. Frequently, though, you're going to have to have another conversation. Um, sometimes it may take me as long, in, in the longest, it took me almost a month. But what usually has happened is they're burned out or they're so stressed out somewhere else in their life, or they thought that working in childcare was going to allow them to become Mary Poppins. Uh, or <laughs> Joe the Super Nanny, and instead they feel like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop, and they're completely <laughs> overrun, right? Uh, okay, every one of those scenarios are just cracking me up. I think you need to start handing people Mary Poppins carpet bags uh, <laughs> during their first consultation with you. Um, but those are great stories. I mean, and every one of us, or okay, a lot of us listening have every one of those images, right? We know exactly, you know, now some of us might identify with a lot more Mrs. Doubtfire, um, but, you know, we get the, 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 the nanny or the super babysitter or whatever it might be. So, um, so how do you get there though? I mean, you're telling me that you talk to people, you, you get their squishy feelings, um, but how do you actually get them to recognize? So only because I know that there's a couple that you've actually helped them pack. Tell us that story from what the issue was, what you noticed, what you did, and how, how you got them to help them pack their stuff. I mean, it, it really comes down to they're unhappy. No, if tell me a story. I want to I will, I will, I will. <laughs> but so in this one situation, this person went from you know, being deliriously happy, mom of a toddler, assistant director at one of my programs. And she was just full of all kinds of joy. And something that I still don't know to this day what happened, but something happened in her romantic relationship with her partner that it went south. Don't know what it was. No idea. But both the parent and the child were showing 
serious signs of stress. They weren't eating properly. They were having a hard time sleeping. All of those signs that we see when um, people are stressed. And I kept after her asking, why are you unhappy? You don't seem to be happy. It looks like you need a nap. Do you want to go back into the office and go take a nap? I'll take your class while you take a nap. Um, (laughs) Do you need to take your daughter out uh, to go have lunch at Sonic instead of being here? You really seem like you need to connect with her. Making it very clear that I saw that she was unhappy. And I said, do you have any support here other than your romantic partner? And the more I talked to her, I was the only emotional support she had in town. She came from a very large extended family in another state. And she just felt like when things weren't going right in her romantic relationship, she didn't have anybody who she could talk to. She didn't have any resources and she didn't want to badmouth her partner to her parents who had not really had a relationship with this person. Um, so I just kept saying, well, do you think maybe you need to go have like a vacation and go spend some time, you and your partner and your child and go spend some time with them? I can give you up to a two week vacation. You know, I kept pointing out that she did have a support system somewhere else. And maybe you need to go there. And then she said, well, I can't afford to go visit because they also had a dog. So they were going to have to drive. I can't afford the time and the money to go visit twice a year. I feel like if I go there, I should just stay there. And I said, wow, that's a big change. I think you just, your shoulders dropped when you said that. The tension went out of your body when you said that. I really think you have to think about that. Maybe you need to go back. I would hate to lose you. The center would be a mess if we had to lose you. But I think you really need to think about that. Why don't you take the weekend? I love doing stuff like this on Friday. (laughs) Why don't you take the weekend and then come back to me and we'll talk about it on Monday. Um, And she did. And she talked to her partner and then she called her parents and they said that they would arrange for a place for her to live, for her family unit to live for three months. And um, she was like, but it's open-ended. It's whenever we can arrange it here at the center. And I said, okay, let's figure that out. And she helped me hire her replacement and I helped her pack boxes to move back. And I got somebody with so much more enthusiasm in the classroom because she didn't have any to give. She didn't have any energy to give. She didn't have any joy to give right then. (laughs) Okay. So I just think the more you can actually show your staff that they care, that you care about their emotional well-being in a situation like this, the more likely they are to be okay with making the hard decision because you're there to support them in moving on to the other thing they want to do in their life. I've helped people move across the country. We just talked about that. I've helped people um, start their um, La Cordon Bleu training so that they could become a chef. I've helped people uh, with their PT so that they could enlist in the military. It's what is it that they want to do next is always part of my conversation with the staff. Where do you want to be in two years? And the answer can be, I want to be somewhere else. And I make that clear to them 
so that when they are ready to go somewhere else, I can help them get there. And it doesn't negatively affect the morale of the staff because the staff love the fact that you're the kind of boss who will help pack a box or who will help you um, get your PT done so that you can enlist in the military. So that's the kind of boss I like to be. I hope I've helped you a little bit through this process. This is a little shorter podcast than we usually do, but I really, I don't have a whole lot more to say on that. So uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. And again, if you need help with this, email me at hello at Colorful Clipboards. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.